0: It is Thursday night, and you know what time it is. It's time for Open Micers. My name is Jason Robbins. I'm Jacob Craig. And I am excited about tonight because we are talking to a man who has had quite a journey through uh, the entertainment (laughs) industry.
1: Uh, he currently works for.
0: Are you working for
1: Bethesda now? Or no, I am. I am working for Ubisoft. Ubisoft Some say Ubisoft, right. but that would be incorrect, ah, as I was informed. So we it's get we Ubi get inside Soft. scoop on how to actually
0: pronounce it. So it's Ubisoft, right?
1: He Ubisoft,
0: for, <laughs> since they are a French company, <laughs> I'll call them Ubisoft oh. from now on. And uh, he works Target. for Ubisoft, and, and you may know him best as Clem. From Buffy the Vampire Slayer. His name is Mr. James Leary. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a long time since we've talked, man. It has been a long time. I want to say like six or seven years at least. That, that is really depressing. <laughs> it's
0: probably what like 2014, <laughs> 2015. We last. I, I think it
1: was. I think it was 2014, 2015.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's been a long time, man, and I was uh, I was following your um, blog
1: that you had there for a while. What was was it called? Yeah, that was called "Confessions of a G List Celebrity," (laughs) and uh, that was a really great experience. Uh, Unfortunately, the the company the the website that I did those for is now defunct.
0: Well, couldn't you Um, uh,
1: go just do it yourself? Like get like a work. I can. I, I have all the original. You know, essays, um, and I could certainly put them up. Uh, I'm lazy, so uh, unless I'm getting paid, I have a hard time doing anything yeah. for myself. Um, so it's just a matter of me you know, getting yeah, but, a website, and yeah. But that's them the somewhere. thing is, like, you could have kept writing those and then compiled them into a book. And and that's been a book. thought. That's been a thought as well. Uh, I have thought of that. I've certainly over the last two years gotten more entries <laughs> <laughs> that I could write. Uh, I'm just waiting for some of the involved parties to. Uh, it really was an interesting. Not want to sue me.
0: It was an interesting look into what it's like to be. You know, not not an A-list celebrity, not quite a B-list celebrity, but, you know, a celebrity uh, nonetheless. And a little ways down the list, a little ways down the list. What Figured I was somewhere in the, the FGH area. Because, you know, I didn't actually get into acting until, you know, 2016, but I was in the music industry uh, mm. in the early 2000s. I was, you know, signed to uh, Universal Records, so I went through all that. And it was kind of interesting to, to see some of the similarities, like, because... I went through some strange shit, man.
1: Back it's, then, it's weird. Look, anytime you're out there in 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 front of people uh, doing something that that people enjoy, um, and you you if you tend to be an extrovert mm-hmm. uh, and you really gain energy from those interactions, it's great. But it can also be, you know. It can be very heady, and you can, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, yeah. man.
0: <laughs> I think, like, because some of the stuff that I went through, I had even started a, a blog, kind of the same thing that you were doing years ago, and it was called, um, what did I name it? It was called, like, uh confessions of a rock star or something like that i had to let I me mean, it's in my bookmark. oh i'd have to i don't have it uh readily made i can't what kind of music read. was it it was just hard rock music and yes we were best kind. um we were really associated with three doors down so we oh okay yeah yeah we went on tour with What's them the- for a while and uh oh i guess he had to run real quick that had to be crazy. Yeah, we went on tour with them for a while, and of course, we were also at the same time. You know, we had two songs that were on uh, that were about to break the top forty. So we were doing all this crazy stuff, like playing with them, and then we would have to do what they called end stores. And I don't know if you know what an end store. Oh, is. I
1: absolutely yeah. yeah, yeah. It's you would.
0: <laughs> what was it? What was the name of the band? How did I not know it was this? Called Fall as Well, and uh, I just got our stuff put up on Spotify not too long ago. Oh, nice. uh, Because it's been a long, weird thing with like Uh, rights and all that stuff. So, but but the thing was is like going and doing those in stores. Those were the weirdest things I ever had to do in my life because you're sitting there, like you've got this table with all these sharpies and all these pictures and CDs, and you're in this town that no you know you never heard of before. Nobody knows who you are, and (laughs) nobody's coming to see you. So most of the time, I would just pretend that i was a customer and just kind of like uh, slowly uh, rifle through the cds while i was there so that's pretty much all i
1: did the whole time oh my god <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there were a few conventions early on that were were very much like that mm-hmm. um i imagine so yeah
2: <laughs> yeah i got recognized at the grocery store one time so i know you're paying yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're lucky you didn't get well, you did get recognized at the Waffle House by uh, by Jason Waterfalls, one of our local comedian. Uh, I, I won't even call him a comedian, but he's one of our Look, uh, we,
2: don't, we don't talk about that.
0: <laughs> he, he's the arch he's the arch nemesis of the, the Coast comedy scene. Oh no. <laughs> but uh, but James, one of the things I wanted to ask, a, to, like, let's kind of go through your your history. Like sure. how did you get started? and acting and, you know, up to your, you know, your gig with Buffy. And then how did you go from that? And then you had that, that, uh, Spanish, um, speaking, uh, role yep. that you did. S- Spanish language sitcom. How yep. did you get to Ubisoft
1: from that? Like, All right. Let's just All go right. through. So what, what time is it? Everybody start <laughs> their clocks and let's see what we can get this in under. All right. Um, so I, I, started acting when i was in the eighth grade um you know i grew up a kid obsessed with star wars and raiders of the lost ark and buck rogers and six million dollar man and the incredible hulk and the fall guy and the a-team and knight rider and blade runner and everything you know just look if is this is is this video as well or is just audio yeah it's video (laughs) awesome so if anyone can see the posters you know behind me in the bad light i've got Revenge of the Jedi, Beastmaster, and Ghostbusters. Yes. Um, Hell yeah! So, and I was, I was, I was always kind of a you know, I had friends and stuff, but I was, I was the kid who never wanted to go play dodgeball. I was a kid who wanted to convince other kids to go to the jungle gym and pretend it was the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there weren't a ton of those kids <laughs> around. Uh, we found each other, uh, and I spent when I was in. Second grade, my family moved from Long Island to uh, this little town in New Hampshire, and we we're way on the middle of nowhere. So I spent a lot of time by myself, um, and my imagination was just—that's what what I was, you know, TV and the VCR when that came along, and then yeah. my imagination, and that was it. And I just—it's—it it was. You know, I, I didn't know what an actor was, but I knew when I watched movies and TV that I wanted to do that. Like, that's what I wanted to do. If I yeah. could get, could just go be pretend, that would be awesome. <laughs> okay. um, so I started in eighth grade, um, just doing a drama class, and then got into it in high school. And in high school was where it really, it really took off for me. I kind of discovered that you know I was a shorter, chubbier kid. Uh, and got picked on a lot in middle school. And in high school, I kind of discovered that I had a sense of humor, and I could do voices, and I was a good mimic. And I kind of realized that if I was making them laugh, they weren't picking on me so much. So I, I really started to develop this sense of humor and became like this kind of comedic actor um, in high school. And once I realized I could make people laugh, like the first time I was on stage and in, in, in a play and got a laugh it was like well that's i'm hooked on that yeah i i I like that feeling that's that's that feels better than anything else in the world of course um so i uh i continued to do theater all through high school like all four years and that was like that was my thing um and then after my senior year i i wanted to go to new york but you know, my parents kind of poo pooed it, and they didn't really understand the drive to want to go be an actor. And I, I gave it up for for two years in um, in college, and I just couldn't. Like, I was really unfulfilled, and um, I got back into it in college and stumbled into this really cool group of people, um, and we ended up forming this improv group called Freudian Slip, and. Um, uh hold on one second i'm sorry i've got a a child who is who is um calling me um hold on um and that improv group that group of people uh i was at texas a&m and uh it just kind of really took off we really dedicated ourselves to kind of studying improv comedy and we we used to watch whose line is it anyway and we were all huge saturday night live fans and um We stumbled across this book called Truth in Comedy. And it was written by a guy named Del Close and a woman named Sharna Halpern. And they were, Del Close was one of the first, like, original Second City members. Mm. And he was famous for directing all through the 70s with, like, Belushi and Bill Murray and into the 90s with everyone who came out of Second City, um, having studied basically under Del Close. And we just happened to discover this book, and we started uh, trying to apply what we learned in the book. And um, we, we went to go see a Second City tour co in San Antonio, Texas. This was, in, I think, like, God, this must have been in May of 19, like March of 1995, or maybe February. And that touring company had Tina Fey and Amy Poehler on it. Oh, wow. And you know they weren't Tina Fey and Amy Poehler yet, yeah. and so we, it was a great show. And we, we tried to we all waited outside for them. And they didn't show up. And We're like, ah, I guess we're gonna go to Chili's because where else are you gonna go eat in Waco, Texas? Um, <laughs> and lo and behold, they were at the Chili's. So we ended up having a great conversation with them, and they gave us like Sharna Halpern's direct number to Improv Olympic in Chicago uh, which is now just called IO because the Olympics actually suit them. Um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) so ridiculous. Um, long story short, I end up, you know, we go and do a workshop and I end up after I graduate college, I end up in Chicago and I study at improv Olympic, um, and you know having decided that after I got my real degree, I was gonna go pursue acting. And instead of going to New York or LA I decided Chicago because of the improv route and theater route. And uh, while there, uh, I'm gonna name drop uh, you know be careful because you can hurt your feet. Uh, I started when I started, I started in class with Eric Stone Street. Um, Seth Myers was there at the time um, on a, a team with one of my best friends. Um, I think Key andor Peel may have been there <laughs> around that time as well. Um, so there were a lot of um, Jason Sudakis. Wow. All these people were there at the same time. It was a very crazy, it was like mid 90s Chicago. Yeah. Um, and so I, I started doing a lot of theater, I started auditioning for all kinds of stuff, um, I started auditioning for local commercials. Did a lot of really bad <laughs> local commercials, um, a lot of stuff in Milwaukee that was all non union. And I finally ended up getting my SAG card there uh, through, through doing some commercials. Mm-hmm. And um, Eric Stone Street had moved in like 1998, 1997, 98. Eric Stone Street had moved to Chicago, and we were really good friends. And uh, about three months in, he called and was like, dude, you got, you, just get out of here. Like, don't stay in Chicago any longer. Just come on. You got to get out of here. Um, and so we did. We, we packed up like four months later and moved to L.A. Wow. Um, and started doing commercials. That was sort of my bread and butter right away. Um, uh, you know, I was really lucky when I first – I had a really, you know, beginner's luck, new face kind of first year in that I did like three or four commercials and uh booked this really weird spanish language (laughs) sorry my dog just burst into the room and scared the crap out of me (laughs) um what are you doing freckles you're killing me (laughs) go lay down go lay down um uh (laughs) this really weird pilot that was a spanish language sitcom uh and I I don't speak a word of Spanish. That's what I was going to ask. I remember we
0: talked about this before, and you didn't speak a word of Spanish. Like, how did you land
1: this? Not a word. So in the pilot, I was playing the token gringo. Uh, It was was created by um, these guys, um, Mike Milligan and Carlos Bermudez, who had this great sort of late 70s, 80s sitcom pedigree. Mike had worked on... um, uh, Oh, the, the Jeffersons had worked with Norman Lear. They had both worked together on Dear John. Um, th- one of our directors had done, like, 96 episodes of The Golden Girls. And so it was this great pedigree. And my, it was about um, a Cuban family uh, living in Burbank, California, who owned a bodega. Mm-hmm. And they had just bought a duplex. And, you know, so they were moving up, and this was, like... This was a big thing, and in the duplex, they rent, and it's a very conservative sort of Cuban family. And one part is the daughter comes home with a, a boyfriend slash husband who's Mexican, and I don't know if you know anything about Latin American hierarchies, um, but that was like a whole thing, and so that it was like, you know, that, that was where a lot of the conflict came, but also where a lot of the 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 growth and it was very much in the vein of a, of a all in the family good times yeah. um, Jefferson's, where it was a comedy show, but there was also a lot of heart and a lot of stuff, a lot of real issues being tackled in these episodes. So they rent the duplex to what they think is a very suave Spanish doctor, and he is from Espana, so he talks with a lisp, um, and they think he's you know this ladies' man. And it turns out uh, he's not a ladies' man. He's gay. And I played uh, the gay partner to this Spanish doctor uh, played by Gabriel Romero. Um, and I was you know, – I'm the token gringo and was supposed to speak mostly English with a little broken Spanish. Um, and it was, a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we do the pilot. Uh, the pilot gets picked up. And uh, in between the pilot getting picked up and us going to shoot, start the season, the head of the network changes, the head of the Telemundo network changes, and there's a new edict that says, no mass English. Oh. Um, and I was like, what? <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, Mike and Carlos came and sat me down and like, so do you, think, do you think you can do this? And I was like, does my job depend on it? And they said, yeah, kind of. I said, absolutamente. Um, so I, I ended up doing the show, um, phonetically, uh, mm-hmm. what would happen is I would get the scripts in English and I would rehearse in English for most of the week up until about the, the day before we would start to shoot just to get the feel for the rhythms and, and how the beats were going to go. And then, um, I would start to learn all my lines phonetically in Spanish, and, you know, luckily everyone, everyone was so incredibly helpful. I, there's no way I could have done it without everyone else in the cast and crew helping me out, uh, being able to, you know,
0: I was gonna say, that speak w- in Spanish. That would be scary as hell to try to do. Like, how would you, like, uh, as an actor, like, that scares <laughs> me to death because I'm like, how would you know when it's, when they're done with their lines and it's time for you to speak and...
1: It, you know, luckily, you know, we rehearsed, it, it shot like a regular sitcom. So we would rehearse five days a week and shoot on the fifth day. So, you know, Monday and Tuesdays were table reads and we'd block. And so in that time period, we would start to, to get the rhythms and I would learn when the cue lines were and where yeah. things were and also learn for myself which, which where the comedy beats were. And luckily uh, for me. Um, I'm a, a rather broad. I don't, I don't know if you can tell because I'm, I'm really understated, but I'm a rather broad <laughs> yeah. actor. Uh, very physical. And it was a very. It, it shot like an old school sitcom with four cameras in front of a live studio audience. Um, so, you know, we just fed on that energy. And thankfully, you know, the, again, the cast helped me out so much. If I had missed a cue, you know, one of them would be like. Mm-mm, 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 mm. <laughs> Mm. um i mean oh oh yeah it's my turn to talk uh and and i did that for for two years and we it was groundbreaking at the time It was from 1999 to 2000 so 99 and 2000 were our two seasons um i'm gonna kill my dogs uh (laughs) did you actually pick up any spanish while you were doing that like uh very little you know because because it was so and i didn't speak i didn't i wasn't forced to speak it for real, yeah. Um, I and the, it was so fast. It was like I would memorize a script and then just it would be gone. Yeah. Like the next week, I'd be memorizing the new script, and it wasn't like I was memorizing. To learn what was being said, it was just memorize my lines so that I could get them right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I do know. Uh, I did pick up Espanta Pajaros, which is scarecrow. mm Yes. Mm. Uh, so we were a sort of groundbreaking show in that um, the the character I played and my uh, my partner, Fernandito, I played a character called Kevin. Um, we were the first openly gay couple on Spanish language television.
0: That's so cool.
1: Yeah, and we got nominated for two GLAAD awards. Wow lost both years to will and grace (laughs) that (laughs) damn will and grace man Yep. but uh it it was a blast it was so much fun i wish it had lasted longer but it was very expensive for them to produce you know Uh. it 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 wasn't expensive to produce by any stretch of the imagination i had to wait tables in between seasons um to let you know that i was not making a lot of money uh and it, it but it was expensive for them to produce in the united states for telemundo at that time and unfortunately we got canceled after our second season um uh, our ratings were stellar in miami and chicago and places with really big cuban populations but um we we just didn't catch the market that they really were hoping for in places like la and new york um and the Midwest and Dallas and stuff like that. Um, but it was it was so much fun, and it was I learned so much from so many great people. Um, oh, I'm sure it's you. You can watch it on Hulu. Really? Yep, wow. even, with subtitles, even so. I'm gonna. It's called Los... Beltran, B-E-L-T-R-A-N. I'm gonna go back and watch uh, this. I had no idea you should. It was on Hulu. You should. It's it is fun. It, it's on Hulu now, and uh, with the subtitles, it's 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 really great. And it's yeah. you 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 can see kind of what a throwback fun show it was in 2000. It was almost like it was a little bit ahead of its time. Yeah. I think if the show came out now, it'd be a much bigger hit. Oh, I'm sure, especially with streaming. I've been and- talking literally for like 15 minutes straight. I'm going to shut up for a oh, second. that's okay. So- <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Jacob-
0: this is
2: exactly what we wanted, man.
0: Jacob, is there anything you wanted to ask? Because uh, I'm always uh, hogging the guests, so it's your turn now.
2: <laughs> you are, dude. You, you should shut up for a little while. Uh, I'm looking at the chat right now, and uh, Rampage actually asked before you said it if this was Lost Beltron you were talking about. Yes. So- people <laughs> I, have I
1: keep, seen yes, the show yes, there are. Yes. people
2: have seen it but we would, oh, awesome. we would be yeah i thought so i'll give this a watch well okay. you have you have one for sure new viewer sweet um so we i mean we would be remiss if we didn't talk about your time on buffy the vampire yes. slayer yes
1: absolutely I was, I was gonna get there i was gonna get there
2: yeah so <laughs> I mean, how, what was the process for, for getting that role like, especially so late in the series, when it was already a, a cultural phenomenon pretty much?
1: Right. Well, I was, I was a huge fan of the show, actually. I, mm. I caught a few episodes. I was in Chicago when I remember them when every young actor, ac- female actor I knew in Chicago was putting down tape to send to LA for this thing. Yeah. And I was actually a fan of the movie. I love the movie. <laughs> I was one of those people who was like, I, Paul Rubens made the movie for me. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, I was like, oh, whatever. This is going to be terrible. Because uh, it was right around the time that they were starting to do that with like making TV shows and movies and yeah. you, you know that becoming that weird loop that they do. And I was like, this is going to
0: That was the reason that I didn't get into it till like three seasons right. in. Because I was like, man, I hate it when they make TV shows about movies. But then my brother was the one who was (laughs) like, dude, you got to watch this show. So he sent me season one and two on DVD. I watched all those in one weekend and then started watching where season three was when it was airing on TV. Gotcha. Yeah, I started,
1: I caught a couple of episodes in season one and I was like, this is, okay, there's, I, I, okay, there's something here. I see, I got it. it it's, it's struggling a little bit, but it's, there's something really interesting here. Mm-hmm. And I, I finished out season one, and um, I was like, oh, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I, I like, it's good. And then season two, it mm-hmm. took off for me with the introduction of Spike and Drusilla. Oh, oh, it yeah. was like, okay, this is, they've hit their groove. They know what they're doing. This is on another level, um, uh, for, for TV at the time. And I was like, this is an allegory. Everything here is an allegory. It's all, this isn't about being in high school. High school is just the touchstone, uh, that makes it universal for everybody. And, you know, monsters aren't monsters. They're, they're allegories for all the crap we go through in life. Um, so I was hooked after that. I mean, I was hooked, hooked, hooked. I didn't miss an episode, um. And when I moved to LA, it was one of the five shows that I really wanted to be on. Um, and I moved to LA right around the third season, and uh, you know, could never manage to get an audition. Um, and I ended up meeting Lonnie Hammerman, who was a casting associate for the show, at a workshop. And um, I think I did a spike scene actually in the workshop, and she thought I was funny. And right as um, Los Beltran was ending, like it, we found out we were not getting picked up in like July, mid-August, I get a phone call from my agent and says, hey, Lonnie Hammond, why don't you come in and read for this small part? It's only five lines. Um, it's for a demon for a show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, and she, because I had met her, she sent me straight to Producers. Um, so I don't know if any, if, if you're not familiar with the process, it's normally you have a first audition, then you get it with the casting director and the associate, and then you get a, typically a second audition with you get a callback for them. And then if that goes well, then you get to producers. Um, and those are the those are the yes or no people. Yeah. And I got to go straight to them. And wow. I, I, since I knew the show, I, I knew, I knew that the, the comp like. It, I tried to go. Uh, one, I didn't try to be a demon. I was like that. That's going to be done by everything else. And oftentimes on this show, the demons and vampires are more human than the humans, uh, and the humans are the real monsters. Uh, and I just, I took every line as a moment to play for comedy, and and the producers all laughed. And I did my audition, and I was in and out in a minute and a half. Really? And I walked out, and I was like, I don't want to jinx myself, but. <laughs> i think i got that because as an actor you start to really understand when you when you get when when you were just right for something yeah. um and i had that feeling i had like i think i'm not gonna jinx it but i think i might have gotten that and three days later i got the call that they wanted me to go go for makeup and and get my head cast done and um it was only supposed to be you know it was in the original script it was just loose-skinned demons <laughs> didn't even have a name um, and uh, it was just supposed to be that one episode those few lines during the poker scene mm-hmm. and um, it was um, sorry uh, the shooting day was awesome I, I, I got to work with James I got to work with Sarah and you know James and I managed to to just in striking up a conversation, start talking about Chicago and James had spent time in Chicago theater and we start we hit it off and he was like oh you're a theater guy oh, oh my god yeah, let's go run lines in my trailer and I was like yeah, well, yeah that'd be great <laughs> um and at the end of the day he was like come here you'll be back I was like what do you okay sure all right fine the dude says this says this to every actor who shows up just to be nice he's like no you, you were funny they, they'll, they'll bring you back and um I was like all right and like a few weeks went by, the episode aired, and like two weeks after the episode aired, I got a call from my agent and said they want you back. Wow. They they want except this time they want you back for the full week, and that was older and far away. And I got to work with pretty much the rest of the cast except for Tony. Um, I never got to work with Tony, which was one of my one of my great regrets because uh, he's an amazing man. Um, but that's what started it. I just kept they just kept calling me. And How many episodes was, were, were you in? A total of eight over two yeah. seasons. So wow. I did six in season six and then two in season seven. So as an actor,
0: let me let me ask you a little inside uh, business yeah. question. Sure. Whenever you start out as like a small part like that, that's only supposed to be, you know, a couple of lines, one episode. Mm-hmm. But then you actually get to be a recurring character. Now, do you get... Like, what kind of contract is that? Is that still like a day player or? Yeah, yeah. it's it's
1: either a day player or a weekly player. Okay. Um, and if you notice, I never got top of show credit, yeah. which is what I always tried to get. Yeah. But they're very, you know, Hollywood is so much about budgets and. So you don't get any, politics, any kind and, of
0: residuals for those those type yeah. of episodes or anything. Right? Oh no, I do, I do, I do. do? absolutely. Okay. I,
1: I think my my last. Residual check was like $45. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. For a while, they were really good. Um, oh, I remember oh, okay. my last check from uh, ASVAB
0: was, uh, or no, uh, BMI was like $0.47. Cents. So I was like, man, I got to frame this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I got one
1: a few weeks ago. I did an episode of The Comeback on HBO, uh, where if you blink, you miss me. I literally yeah. have one line. And I got a residual check from that like two weeks ago that was, like thirty-seven cents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was. It was not even worth the postage. Exactly. That it cost like cents.
0: I don't understand that. How they keep sending out those no. checks when when the postage is more than the check. Yeah. Like that's so um, weird.
1: So yeah, I I that was my big like I always tried to get top of Show, but I didn't. But they would, you know, you'd usually get a little pay rate. You'd play. You'd start to work for Overscale, and every time you came back, they would give you a little bump. And then they after I did two episodes of all, all eight days. They started shooting me out in a day. They would okay. just bring me in for one day. Yeah. So what was it like getting into that makeup? How how long did it take? That took um, initially the first time they put it on because they're figuring at that point they're the makeup artists are figuring out how to put it on. Yeah. It took um, almost five hours. Wow. But that was the first time, um, and I, I had an amazing, amazing makeup artist by the name of Wesley Wofford, um, who is no longer in the business. He does. He's a sculptor now. Um, but he wow. had worked. <laughs> uh, God, who had he worked for? He had worked for not, um, not Stan Winston, one of the other big make, like one of the huge, huge, huge makeup guys, um, and had worked for him for years. So he was incredible. Um, and then, then they got it down to about two and a half, three hours was yeah. sort of the standard makeup time. So not terrible um, compared, uh, but. Well, it took
0: me about four hours to get into the devil makeup for Monster Oof. Anonymous, so that was,
1: <laughs> yeah. I feel your pain. It, 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 any Anytime you've got a lot of little applications and, and a lot of paint on your face, that's yeah. going to take a lot of time. Oh, the fun!
0: the fun yeah. part was, you know, my whole head was covered. Like, I had mm-hmm. this big prosthetic, you know, piece that went on my forehead with the horns on it, so I had all this makeup on, and then when they took the piece off, I had this huge it, it it was like so my skin was so bright coming yep. out of the makeup. I was like yep. somebody take a picture. It's is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean that's so awesome that you get you know, you got to be on Buffy and all that. But how did you yeah, get to Yeah, it was really
1: amazing. How did you get to Ubisoft from that? <laughs> okay. So, uh you know, Buffy really, you know, it was just 8 episodes, but it it really changed sort of the 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 the, um trajectory of my life in that you know unfortunately i i struggled for more and more years buffy didn't lead to bigger and bigger things um that's just the nature of the beast in hollywood sometimes i still continue to do commercials and plays and independent films and all kinds of stuff um but i was never able to make that jump from that part into something else um and I left, although I, I traveled the world because of it. I mean, I've been to conventions all over the place, Australia, Paris, London, Canada, Mexico, all over the United States um, and gotten to meet so many amazing fans and, and to have been to ended up to have, have been part of a show that is as iconic and and well-loved still to this day oh yeah something like a star trek almost um i i believe it is truly in that in that category of you know i i did some conventions last year the show's been off the air for 17 years and still meeting new fans teenage girls who are fans of the show because their mom watched the show and they Mm -hmm. got and it's it's that type of show that is it transcends its its time period and still manages to get new fans and is still so well-loved. Yeah. Um, and I, it was really... It's something that changed my life. Um, so in 2010, I uh, had to flee L.A. basically um, <laughs> because my life was a mess. Uh, um, uh, you know, uh, put a kid who, who was desperate for mm-hmm. approval and, and love um, and take him to a city uh, that... that it, feeds on that yeah um so uh, came to to texas back to texas I, i i after i left new hampshire in the fifth grade i moved to dallas and and did high school and college here in texas um so came back to texas and you know during the time that i was an actor i was also a writer i'd started writing screenplays and stuff um and working with with two close friends um pursuing that Avenue as well, um, you know, trying to sell a script. And we did that for seven years. Um wow. got this this close to selling a script, you know, is with that one that one thing. Um mm-hmm. and so I knew I had writing chops and uh, uh, I moved to, to Austin and at the time the Austin video game industry was huge. And I I was you know, I was thirty <laughs> 36 years old with no job skills (laughs) you know I'd spent the last 15 years pursuing this dream Um, and it it was an industry that I looked at as somewhere where the the skills I did have could move over yeah Um, and I had a few friends uh, in the industry here and and kind of just bugged them, bugged them and bugged them and bugged them and bugged them and bugged them until finally I got an internship at a company called King's Isle. Uh, I was a paid internship, but it was a little weird being a 37 year old paid intern. Um, and I started learning about video games, uh, and how they're made. And, uh, it was an MMO, uh, an online, you know, massively multiplayer online game and just started, started there. And then I worked for a company called, uh, daybreak uh who made dc universe online which was like a, a bucket list job for me yeah. you know growing up a kid loving comic books um and and that job ended uh, uh unexpectedly uh and then i for the last two and a half years i'd been struggling to to find work uh steady work anyway um and then that i applied and Got this job for Ubisoft as a what's known in the industry as a narrative designer, which is just a fancy word for person who writes what people say in the game (laughs) or name a million objects in the game (laughs) or write everything (laughs) that the player reads in the game. Hold on a second. Sorry. So, do you actually get to do. Okay. (laughs) Dude, no, I'm not done yet. <laughs> Why? What do you need? With what? I need a juice box. <laughs> Can miss I, I don't I, soon, I will be done soon. Okay.
0: Ah, welcome to, being a, welcome to being a parent everybody. <laughs> Jacob, that's going to be um, you in
1: a few years. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um so uh yeah, that's how that's how how Ubisoft came about and i, I wish actor, i could tell you what i'm working on there because it's really freaking cool. Yeah, it's so cool but the nda i signed the non-disclosure <laughs> agreement uh would would literally have me drawn and quartered wow. um, but it's cool and everyone's gonna be really excited when it comes out do you get to do so, any uh, voice
0: work or anything since you know you have an acting background
1: <laughs> i i did uh, when i was at king's isle um i did i ended up you know, becoming friends with the sound designer. Uh, and, um, you know, he, he auditioned a bunch of people in the company. Uh, and I ended up doing a ton of voices for Wizard 101 and Pirate 101. Oh, that's so cool. Yep. If, if you want to go look up someone named El Toro. El Toro. El Toro <laughs> in Pirate 101. And I also play James T. Pork. in wizard 101 awesome uh you you can you can find playthroughs on youtube that have a lot of the dialogue and as you can guess james t pork is it is a star trek (laughs) spoof so he is he is my god man
0: (laughs) why are we here well you know if ubisoft needs any uh voice work i have done a lot of voice work i I I will keep you in mind i will absolutely keep you in mind if i have I will any say whatsoever. Dude. I will send my portfolio so fast that, that will catch the
2: internet on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. If if Ubisoft needs any voice work, I have a voice. <laughs> did, that's true. So what were you?
0: Well, I'm, I cut you off a minute ago, Jacob. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say with the uh, with the NDA. I I know you can't say anything. Yeah, But I'm speculating on whether or not you're working on some sort of Assassin's Creed project. No. 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 Okay. No, it's something huge at Ubisoft that's not Assassin's Creed. So I think that's going to narrow it down for a lot of our listeners.
1: (laughs) Sure. Or maybe it is. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's all you're getting out of me. (laughs)
2: I, it's Clerks story all over again. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is.
1: It is. It is. They're rebooting Driver. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, it's exactly what I wanted. Yes.
0: Well, I know we. Uh, you need to get going soon. Uh, we told you. What oh, we're that's do. okay. 45 minutes I know you got a kid to go take care of (laughs) but uh, probably something like because I'm doing this the internet isn't working as fast as he needs it to play Fortnite or something I don't know where can everybody (laughs) find you on uh, I know you're not on Facebook anymore really
1: but uh, I'm not um, if you want to hop over to either um, Instagram or Twitter uh, I do check those sporadically and I am at the james leary so t-h-e james leary on both twitter and instagram okay i need to go back and follow you on twitter
0: i'm not sure i have you on my twitter
1: i'm sorry i just burped that was disgusting i
0: apologize everyone (laughs) uh, that
2: one one snuck uh, out dude i've been farting this
0: whole time and nobody's heard it (laughs) (laughs)
2: i've kept my burps in for the last two episodes because we had celebrities next week i'll bet they're off i
1: was trying to keep that one in but it snuck out but um uh, jacob uh,
0: do we have any shows coming up anytime soon that we need to to put out there for the
2: people um well if you want to see the open micers in their full stand-up glory you can follow frets for pets on facebook we'll be doing that show me and jason will both be doing sets august 1st and 2nd and please like the open micers facebook everybody that's watching because when we get to a thousand facebook likes we're gonna do something huge and extremely special and something you're not going to want to miss.
1: And I'm working that, on that T-shirts. That sounds exciting. And Jason might, you... might be making T-shirts. Uh, could you know what you guys should do? You guys should make T-shirts. Uh, that's a that, good that idea. Be, that's that'd be a, a cool, great people idea. People yeah, idea. I know.
0: And James, I will send give you. I'll you give one. you that one for free. I'll, I'll send, send you one. You, you'll have to full pick of the T-shirt while you're while you're working and doing. <laughs> that would be perfect. But uh, but yeah, I'll, um, we'll go ahead and
1: get out of here. And, dude. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. I really, I really appreciate it. This was very fun. I felt like I did nothing but like monologue the entire time. I'm so glad. That's exactly what we wanted. Okay, good. Well, anytime you you need that, I clearly have (laughs) no problem talking about myself. And let's please not wait.
0: Let's not wait six years again to talk. Let's not do it. No, let's not. but uh but hang on um i'm gonna go ahead and end the show but please hang on okay. because my girlfriend sure. is gonna want to say hi to
1: you before we all right already the then. So, um everybody uh, out
0: there thank you for joining us let me go ahead and
1: play our outro music here thank gonna- you everybody i really appreciate it And to every buffy fan out there thank you guys so much yes. you have meant the world to me so thank you
0: thank you guys and uh we'll see you right back here again next thursday who's our guest do we have a guest yet jacob oh uh, yeah we do we'll put it on facebook okay yeah get us on Facebook we'll see you guys next week